0: church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon.
1: Bible, uh, the the book of Psalms, and we're going to look in the 40th Psalm tonight, just a few scriptures that I want to share with you this evening. Um, I heard a a uh, presentation from a guy that I listen to from time to time named Dennis Prager, who's a radio personality and, uh, and a uh, book writer, author. He is uh, the creator of this PragerU uh, online video platform. Uh, very, very interesting content that this man produces. He's a Jewish guy. Uh, he is a biblical scholar, and uh, but believe it or not, he says his favorite time of the year is Christmas. And, uh, and so anyway, I heard him do a presentation recently where he was talking about uh, depression. He was talking about how uh, there is a study that was recently released that found that young people are more depressed now than they ever have been. It's off the charts. Depression being found in young people. So I went, and I, uh, this was shocking to me, and I began to uh, do some research. I found an article. Uh, this is a couple years old now, but uh, this is a trend that continues to grow. The highlight, the headline of this article says, Generation at Risk, America's Youngest Facing Mental Health Crisis. Alex Crotty was just 11 years old when she started feeling things were wrong. It wasn't just a matter of being unhappy. She always felt empty and miserable, never content or connected to other children. For years, she suffered alone, filled with shame. She switched schools. That didn't help. She says, I didn't feel unloved. I just felt numb to the world, like I was surrounded by great things, but I just couldn't be happy. And I didn't know why that was. At 14 years old, she finally decided to break her silence. Quote, I can't feel anything, Alex told her mother of New York. So she gave me a big hug and cradled me in her arms on the bed and was like, well, can you feel me? Can you feel my love? A hug and kisses was the only thing that came to my mind at the spur of that moment, but that was precisely what she needed to start the journey forward. She was diagnosed with major depression and anxiety. Now that she's 16 years old, she is in therapy and on medication. She's far from alone this as uh, uh, as experts have begun to document this is a health crisis among members of the youngest generation of americans it has critical implications for our country's future one in 5 i want you to hear this number one in 5 american children and young adults up to age 25 struggle with a mental illness or learning disorder one in five, and those are only the ones that have been diagnosed. The numbers are in the range of 15 to 20 million people between the ages of 10 to 24 years old. Uh, There was a, uh, there was a, yes, recent research indicates that serious depression is getting worse in teens, especially in girls, and the, high su- the, the suicide among girls has reached now a 40-year high, according to a CDC report released in August. So I could go on and on and, and share with you all these things, but all of that to, to tell you that this is a serious issue that we are dealing with in the generation that is rising behind us. If you are under the age of 30, then uh, maybe you know somebody who struggles with this, or maybe it's not limited to, uh, to young people. Of course, everyone struggles with depression from time to time. And so I want to take the moment, uh, this opportunity this evening to address the issue of depression. And, uh, and I hope that this will be a blessing to you this evening. Uh, we want to look together in the book of Psalms, chapter uh, 40. And uh, I am so grateful for the Bible. The reason why is that the Bible does not candy-coat life. The Bible deals with life as it is, not as it's supposed to be. And what that means is that we do find depressed people in the Bible. We find depressed people uh, who are even called uh, righteous. And uh, and so tonight, I want to share with you a scripture from the book of Psalms, verse 40, of course, David, who's writing, and I want you to, to, to try to read between these lines as we examine the scripture, and not just to read what he has to say, but to feel what he's feeling. Because there's going to be a time in your life that you're going to feel how he feels. And so let's read this together. Psalm 40, verse 1. It says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, and has established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth, praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and trust in the Lord. Blessed is that man who makes the Lord his trust, and does not respect the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies, Many, O Lord, my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, and your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. And so we focus in on where he speaks about being pulled up out of a horrible pit and out of the miry because that, I believe, is what it's like to be in the dense fog of depression. But I want to give you hope tonight because we serve a God who can pull us out of a miry, uh, a pit of miry clay. And that is the hope tonight. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, we thank you for the grace and mercy that you've shown. We thank you for the opportunity to gather. We thank you for your word that gives us a roadmap, God, with our emotions and our feelings and our stress and anxiety. We're praying, God, that you would help us and give us words of knowledge and hope tonight. We thank you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' name. God's people would say, Amen. Amen. There was a man who asked a preacher friend, How many active members do you have in your church? And the preacher replied, They're all active. Half of them are working with me. Half of them are working against me. That could be depressing. There was a wife who was telling her friend about her household budget. And she says, I spend 40% of our income on food, 30% on shelter, 30% on clothing, and 20% for transportation. And the woman she was speaking to looked at her with a puzzled face and said, but that adds up to 120%. She said, Don't I know it? Financial struggles can be depressing. And even in a time of year that is supposed to be more uh, uh, spiritual, more fun, whimsical, a time of year where there's uh, decorations and people are in a jollier mood, by and large, uh, I've found that depression can hit us even harder during this season. For some reason, there was once a young Midwestern lawyer who suffered from deep depressions, and so bad it became that many of his friends uh, would come over to his house to make sure that all knives and razors were out of his reach. He began to question his life's calling and even the wisdom of attempting to follow it through. He wrote a letter during this time and said, I am now the most miserable man alive. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. Abraham Lincoln, who went on to become our 16th president, even as he was the president of the United States, in his diaries, you'd be amazed to read some of the deep and desperate depressions that he went through. In a recent poll, half of all Americans said that they or some of their family members have suffered from depression what does it look like tonight? I think that uh, uh, that we've all had at least a, um, a touch of it in our lives, but many times with depression, how it manifests in our lives is uh, a persistent sadness or anxious mood. We become irritable or restless. We uh, either become sleepless or we sleep too much. Some people have a reduced appetite, losing weight. Others have increased appetite and gain weight. The simple pleasures of life don't seem interesting anymore. Loss of energy, feeling fatigue. These are things that that we need to be on watch for in our own hearts and in those around us. Some of the reasons why we can fall into depressions. when somebody gets sick or ill around us, perhaps a loved one passes away. There's a breakup, a romantic relationship, family problems, especially uh, of children of divorce can cause great depression. Isolation and loneliness can bring depression. And this, I believe, why uh, we are seeing such a, a, an incline of depression in young people today is for this very problem, It's the problem of isolation. And that comes as a result of technology, I think, that plays a role. It comes also as a result of a broken home in America now, where parents are not as connected to their children as they once were. And siblings are not as connected to one another as they used to be. And the more we become connected to the screen, how many know? The less connected we are to other people. And therefore, we feel isolated. And I think that's a big reason why so many young people feel rejected, feel alone. And this can lead to depression. But I want to give you some hope tonight. Because even God's people, God's good people who are labeled in the Scripture as holy and righteous and set apart for God's purpose, struggle with this problem. Moses, he was the leader of God's people in Israel. And it seemed like every time he turned around, people were complaining about something and about him personally. Chronic complainers can cause depression. Job, if there was anybody who deserved to be depressed, it was Job who lost everything. He lost his family, lost his wealth, lost anything that was important to him. And he cursed the day he was born in Job 3, verse 11. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came from the womb? I have no peace, no quietness, no rest, only turmoil. David struggled with depression throughout his life and in the Psalms revealed it to us. In Psalm 6, verses 2 and 3, he says, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint, heal me for my bones are in agony my soul is in anguish how long o oh lord how long i am worn out from groaning all night long i flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears i'm saying these examples tonight to share with you that depression is not an isolated thing and that how many know the devil likes to he loves to make you think you're the only one who deals with this He loves to make you feel like, oh, something's wrong with me because I'm not feeling happy-go-lucky all the time. Paul, the Apostle Paul, went through bouts of depression. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we read about how Paul was given a thorn in the flesh. And we don't know exactly what that is, but I want to tell you that was not a pleasant experience for him. How three times he prayed to be delivered and God told him, no, my... Grace is sufficient for you. That can lead to a bout of depression. One commentator, Warren Wiersbe, said about this incident, he said, we do not know what Paul's thorn in the flesh was. The word that is translated thorn means a sharp stake used for torturing someone. It is a physical affliction of some kind that brought pain and distress to the Apostle Paul. Doesn't that sound comforting? But brothers and sisters, I want to remind you that every one of us is going to face this from time to time. Some of us have a harder time than others dealing with depression. But I want to give you hope because it's not the end of the story. God's people, listen carefully tonight, if you don't hear anything else, I want you to hear this statement. God's people do not have to live forever in a dark world of depression. You don't have to stay there. It's okay if you're there. Life has its ups and downs. I don't expect everyone to have a a fake smile painted on their face when they come to church. I understand. We go through things. Depression is part of life. But the hope tonight and the glory of the Word of God is that you don't have to stay there. I believe it was uh, C.S. Lewis who said, if you're going through hell, no, it wasn't C.S. Lewis. It was uh, Winston Churchill who said, if you're going through hell, keep going. Don't stop because there is light at the end of the tunnel. And I want to give you some of that light tonight. I want to give you some practical steps. And maybe tonight you are feeling on top of the world and maybe this sermon isn't for you this evening. Well, just put this in your back pocket. Because there's going to come a time when a dark cloud follows you around and, like in the cartoons, begins raining on your parade. And these are going to be some helpful points that we can all begin to put into use when we feel depression. Number one, practical thoughts. This is going to be a hard, hard thing to do, but I want you to, to stick with me. The first thing that we need to do in the midst of depression is something that we don't feel like doing, and that is to stop complaining. (laughs) Every head bowed, every eye closed. I think we could end it right there. But how many know when we are feeling depressed, it is natural to let that filth leak out of us? Uh, and it usually comes in the form of whining. It usually comes uh, with a violin, woe is me, I have... And we see this in the Scripture, don't we? We see it in people who are going through depression. We saw it with even the prophet Elijah as he's there being accused and being threatened by Jezebel, and he says, oh, it's so horrible, I'm the last one on the earth who's serving the Lord. I'm no better than my fathers. It's time for me to die. Lord, take my life now. Oh, but if we want to come through somewhere, we've got to make up our mind. You know, I need to quit complaining. And there's reasons why we can stop complaining. Philippians uh, 2, verse 14 says, Do everything without complaining or arguing. That might sound hard to do, but, you know, the best way that we can stop complaining is simply to have a change of perspective. You know, there's the glass half empty and the glass half full type of people. Well, even in the midst of our torment and in the midst of depression, it is possible to have a change of perspective. It doesn't mean that everything gets better overnight. It simply means I'm choosing to look at my situation in a new way. Some people think it's their God-given right to complain. But this is not pleasing to God. Did you ever hear God complaining? I mean, if anyone had the right to complain, it would be God. But he doesn't complain about us. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 10, do not grumble as some of them did and were killed by the destroying angel. That doesn't sound very good. God is not pleased when we gripe and complain. Somebody said whenever you are tempted to tell your troubles to other people, remember that half your listeners aren't interested and the rest are glad you're finally getting what's coming to you. Instead of complaining about what we don't have or what we wish we had, maybe we should look at what we do have. Let me give you an example. So uh some of you know that we've had our our minivan uh sitting in our in our driveway for the last 2 years. It failed an inspection and the we it was too expensive to to get it fixed and so you know we were kind of putting it off hoping that one day we would May be able to have enough money to do a repair on this thing. So, uh, because of Dave's commercial for Christian Brothers the other day, uh, we <laughs> we took it to the mechanic shop and uh, had them do the full diagnostic, man, and they checked everything. Yes, they're a pretty amazing mechanic shop. And so, after all of the checks, they did everything, and you know there was a long laundry list of stuff that that needed to be repaired. But the main thing, the reason why it failed the inspection. Was the, the stinking heater core in this vehicle, and it's buried underneath the dashboard of the van, and you know th- that that was the one item that that uh, I'm I'm not comfortable with doing that repair on my own, and so I was thinking to myself, well, hopefully, you know, if that repair is less than a thousand dollars, we can get it done and get this van up and running again. Want to know how much it cost? Eighteen hundred dollars, just. For that one stinking heater core. And that was, on, that was only the, the one repair that it needed most. There was a whole list of others. So this week we made up our mind man, I guess we gotta junk it out. And you know, we, we had to pay for all these diagnostics, of course, too. So it's like we didn't get much out of it. And you know, uh, it, it's easy, it would be easy for me in this situation to say man, that's not fair. I like that van. Man. Yeah, memories. We made memories in that van. Been with us ever since we got here to Virginia Beach. For well, the last two years just sitting in front of our house, but you know, it was still a great van. The engine still runs. Can you we can drive it down the road? It's just not going to pass inspection. So as of tomorrow, as of uh, this week, we're going to take it in and we're going to junk it out and we're going to get what we can and and some people might want to complain about that, but, you know, I've chosen to look at it like this. Well, at least the money that we're going to get back is going to cover the the, the inspection, right? At least, you know, I, we came out positive on the deal, you know? It would be very helpful in the time of depression to re-examine our heart and say, well, Maybe I, instead of complaining about this, I can try to find the good side. I think it was Ronald Reagan who uh, in the midst of the Cold War was duking it out with the Ruskies and, and he said, uh, you know, uh, going through all this trouble and, and somebody asked him, uh, how is it that he can continue to maintain a positive outlook on life? And how can he continue to make jokes and be happy? And even when people are attacking him and coming against him, And he says, well, with all this manure around here, There's got to be a pony buried in there somewhere. Find the bright side of, of things. And listen, there is always a bright side. There is always a reason that we can find in the midst of pain and agony. There is always somebody worse off than you are. And when you find that, that will help us to stop complaining and to look on the bright side. Number two is to stay tuned. You have a favorite channel or a favorite program. Some sports nuts love to watch ESPN or history buffs like to watch the history channel. News junkies love to watch Fox News or whatever your your channel of choice is. But whatever your favorite channel or program is, listen, if you want to pay attention to it, you've got to tune in to the right channel. And I want to say that in the midst of depression, we've got to have spiritual antennas that begin to listen to the transmission on God's frequency. Psalm 9, verse 9 says that the Lord is a refuge for the oppressed or the depressed, a stronghold in the time of trouble. Psalm 121 Verse 1 and 2, I will lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. See, what happens, what tends to happen in depression is that we become, uh, we become distracted, we become disconnected, we become separated from those things which keep us normally in, in, uh, in good spirits. We get disconnected from the Spirit of God. Listen, I've never seen anybody who's filled with the Holy Spirit say, oh man, that was a bummer. You know what I'm saying? I've never seen somebody who's, uh, you know, uh, who's excited about Jesus and passionate for the Lord. I've never seen them uh, in, you know, feel down in the dumps. In the time of, of difficulty and darkness, we've got to begin reattuning our hearts to the Lord. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. There's this truth that God is constantly broadcasting, isn't He? That He is constantly broadcasting His word and His message for our lives. The problem is we're not always tuned in. And if we go too long without tuning in, we begin to fall away Galatians 3:26 You are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ For you all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ This is how we get tuned into God and we stay there We have to trust we have to obey we have to be baptized and we have to stay tuned This, to stay tuned, it's more than just to uh, pray more and read the Bible more. This is why we have church services, right? This is why we have a fellowship together. This is why uh, we, we choose that even though when we're feeling bad to, to, to come out of our isolation and to come together with other believers. This is how we stay connected. And, uh, you know, I have people who tell me, Pastor, you know, I'm not feeling all that good. I'm down in the dumps. I'm just not going to be able to make it to church tonight. And I tell people, no, this is when you need church the most. This is not the time to isolate and feel sorry for yourself and have a pity party and explain to yourself how bad you have it. This is the time to get around God's people and God's spirit and to plug in to stay tuned in to God's Word and God's people. The third thing tonight is to separate yourself. One of the problems of depression is that it's very inwardly focused. You begin to have difficulty seeing outside the bubble of your own problems and your own pain and it's very easy to block out everybody else. It's been said that as many as seventy, excuse me, as much as seventy-seven percent of everything that we think is negative and counterproductive and works against us. People who grow up in the average household hear the word no or are told what they can't do more than 148,000 times by the time they reach age 18. That's called negative programming. I remember when I was a new parent, and I had read something like that, and I said to myself, you know, I want my parenting style to be such that if I ever have to tell my children no, that I also want to be able to say yes to something else. No, you can't go to the park right now, but let's plan on that in the future. Right? And if all we do is say, no, no, you can't, you never, it's not going to happen. No, negative parent, negative programming, it has an effect on, on small children. Sometimes we have that negative programming as adults, too. When we think that God is only about the nose, and we forget that God is also a God of a lot of yes. Proverbs fourteen, uh, excuse me. Uh, Proverbs twelve twenty six. It also has a huge deal who we allow to influence in our lives. Proverbs twelve twenty six says, "A righteous man is cautious in friendship, but the way of the wicked leads them astray." Pastor Campbell always says, "If you show me your friends." I will show you your future. The people that you associate with are a snapshot of your own character and your future. That's why it's so critical for us to get outside of ourselves in the midst of depression and difficulty. We have to move out of that selfish place and that uh, that inwardly focused attitude. 1 Corinthians 15.33, Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Do you want to be around negative people? Then when you're negative, do you think people want to be around you? (laughs) A man who wants friends must first himself be friendly. And this is where depression can begin to break down relationships. And that's where number four comes in, is that we must become not just uh, isolated, but we must be looking for opportunities to bless other people. Let me give you a secret of life. If you want to be fulfilled, if you want to find destiny and calling, then you must begin to be sensitive to the needs of people around you. God programmed you in a certain way and the way that god programmed you is to feel good when you help other people did you know that you cannot change that about yourself even the most selfish people on the planet they if they do an act of kindness sacrifice for someone else it produces a good spirit in us doesn't it when you uh, when you do something for somebody God has programmed you to feel good about that. There was a teacher in Milwaukee and took her first grade class to a dairy where a guide was showing the children through the entire plant and explaining the process. When the tour was over, the guide asked if anyone had any questions. One little girl raised her hand. Did you notice that I've got my new snowsuit on? The whole time, she uh, didn't receive anything that they were teaching. She was just so excited about her new snowsuit. She's focused on herself and lost attention on everything else. And this is what happens to us so many times. If we're so focused on something that's happening with us, we're missing out on things that are happening all around us. Listen to what Jesus said. Matthew 9.36, because Jesus was a great example of someone who is focused on the needs of others. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Romans 12.15 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Tonight. If, if we want to break out of the funk of bad attitudes and depression and uh, pain and anxiety, one of the best things you could do is help somebody else. I remember a study of, um, of soldiers who had come home from war and uh, were suffering from uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome, PTSD. And uh, one of the most effective uh, ways of treating this was simply to buy them a new puppy, and they would bring these, uh, these soldiers a, a puppy and, you know, puppies are a lot of work. I don't know if you know that. You have to feed them and take them outside and, and, and uh, care for them and watch over them. And, and all of a sudden, these soldiers who are given this responsibility, all of a sudden, their mood begins to improve because you find yourself in a position of having to help this fuzzy little creature. And dogs especially, you know what the superpower of a dog is? The dog, more than any other of God's creation, is able to read human emotions. That's why we call a man's best friend. A dog can read your emotions in a way that no other creature can. And, uh, And so here's these soldiers and now they're taking care and all of a sudden their mood begins to improve. And, you know, not every problem is solved in a moment. But it does change things when you begin to take care of somebody else. Proverbs 11, verse 25, a generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. This is why I'm so blessed to have the job that I have. When I stand behind this pulpit, I realize that it's not just for me, but there's a whole lot of people who are hopefully being helped by something that is said across this pulpit, and that refreshes my spirit. You would do well tonight to to begin to look for opportunities around you, even in the state of depression and anxiety and uh, uh, a point of darkness and deep oppression, to look around for people who are in need. You know, I'm reminded of that story of Joseph Joseph, who had every right to complain, right? Betrayed by his own brothers, sold into slavery, falsely accused of rape, sent to prison. You know, he had, he had some bad luck there for a few years. But the thing about Joseph is that wherever he was, he's always looking for opportunities to minister to somebody. Even there in the Egyptian prison, for 20 years he's in prison, but he got a reputation, didn't he? That there's another prisoner who has this dream. And guess what? Joseph has an, a gift of interpreting dreams. Joseph could have easily said to himself, ah, later for that, I got my own problems. But he didn't. He reached out and he began to speak into this man's life. He reached out and he began to speak into that man's life. And Isn't it interesting that his personal ministry, he wasn't getting paid for that. He was getting no no return on that investment. He simply, out of the goodness, out of the opportunity that presented itself, he's ministering to these other prisoners. And isn't it interesting that that very act led eventually to him getting sprung out? Because it was the same baker that he spoke to that later on, a few years later, he says, oh, Pharaoh had a dream. He said, oh, I know a guy back in the prison. I know a guy. And it was that same uh, uh, blessing, that same ministry that brought him out of the prison cell. I want to tell you, sometimes the key to breaking out of the cell of our depression, our sadness, our darkness, is simply looking for the opportunities to be a blessing. This is why we have ministry. See, ministry is not for perfect people. Being a preacher is not for perfect people. I, I don't preach only on the days that I feel good. Sometimes I, I'm i amazed at people. Well, Pastor, I, you know, I don't know if I can do ministry. I don't really feel like it this month. Can I take a break? Like, I feel like being a pastor every day of my life. Like, I feel like taking your phone calls and uh, every, every, uh, every issue. And le- that's why I'm here to take your phone calls when you're going through issues and problems. I got my own problems. I don't always feel like being the pastor. Sometimes it's hard. But I'm not here to complain. I'm here to tell you that when I reach out, when I begin to minister, when I begin to pray for people, listen, that is a blessing for them, but it's even more for me. This is why we outreach on Saturdays. Contrary to popular belief, outreach is not just for all the sinners. It's even more for the saints. Because, you know, you might witness to some... I read something the other day that the average person who gets converted to Jesus, it only happens after they've heard the gospel an average of seven times. So, when we go to outreach, we understand that not everyone we talk to is going to fall on their knees and say, what must I do to receive the Lord Jesus? It's a a difficult uphill battle. And once somebody gets to that average of seven or eight or nine times hearing the gospel, maybe there's an opportunity. But listen, we're not preaching the gospel just to win souls. We're preaching the gospel because of the effect that it has on the preacher we realize that I don't feel like going on outreach every Saturday. Lord, help me. Sometimes I've got things in my, but I want to tell you, the moment you knock on the door and you begin to explain, you tell your testimony, man, what a what a profound retuning of your heart that provides. Just yesterday, as I'm witnessing to this guy, his name was Cliff, and I just felt the joy of the Lord. In In... 10 minutes. I got happier about my salvation in those 10 minutes than I had been for the last three months. Just by simply reaching out to somebody on a normal Saturday with a Bible in my hand. In the midst of our depression, can we, beloved, can we reach out? This is the hope that we can be delivered from the pit. I want you to hear again the words of David as we close. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and he heard my cry. What does that tell us? God is not deaf to our needs. He is not blind to our difficulties. In the midst of our pain, he is there. Listen, even Jesus knew what it was like to be depressed. Don't tell me that Jesus hasn't felt what you feel. Tears of blood. Sweat like drops of blood falling from his skin in the garden before he goes to the cross. You talk, that's, that's depression right there. As he's contemplating the cross. Listen, none of you have gone through anything like that. Contemplating bearing the weight of sin of all humanity. Yes, he felt depressed. Yes, he cried out to the Lord. He cried out to his Father, if there's any way, let this cup pass from me. Right? And then he bore the cross as he was called to do. But in the midst of that, listen, he was seeing through to the other side. Listen to David, because there's another side. See, this is why, this is why we as believers of all people, we are not, uh, we are not, exempt from depression, but we have a hope that the world doesn't have. And that's why we can see through the agony. Listen to David one more time. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock. In the times when the winds and the waves are tossing us, our mind is ravaged in the chaos, what we need is the stability that God can provide. His Word, you know, you pick up uh, the Word of God and you read the truth that is the rock that you can stand on. And when you see that, David says he put a new song in my mouth. Can I tell you, there are songs that have saved my life. There are certain songs that when I hear them, I say to myself, okay, I can keep going. There are songs that the Lord puts in my mouth. I remember some songs that saved my salvation. I was on the verge of backsliding and going back to my sin, and I heard a song, saved my soul. There are certain songs, listen, this is why it's important to, to have a habit of worship, a habit of praise. David said he put a, a new song in my mouth. Do You wonder why David was so famous for his psaltery, his that he was a musician. I think that, you know, that it's, it's connected here. The reason why David, uh, uh, he went through so many things but was able to come through was because of his Musical appreciation. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust and does not respect the proud. Many, O Lord. Listen, do you see how his focus has come off of himself? He says, many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done. And his focus is now tuned to the Lord. Let me close with this illustration. There was a doctor, um, Mark Pierce, of England. He came to the United States and he he related an experience that presents a good lesson. He said he was out fishing for trout and he had worked hard and caught nothing. His equipment was excellent, but he was unable to catch any fish. So finally he came upon an old fisherman whose sack was filled with trout. He asked him how he had become so successful. The old fisherman answered, There are three rules to follow in trout fishing. First, keep yourself out of sight. Second, keep yourself further out of sight. And third, keep yourself even still further out of sight. And the preacher walked away thinking that is the best advice I've ever heard for becoming a successful fisher of men. Keep out of sight put Jesus right in the middle. Jesus said if I be lifted up I will draw all men to myself and that's also the best advice on how to cure depression. Get mind off of myself and put it back where it belongs. Those who will put their mind on the Lord who will think on these things, these things which are lovely, these things which are pure. If you, we would discipline our minds to, to contemplate those things then it would be very difficult to stay in depression for much longer. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me and close our eyes as we bring the service to a close. Just a few practical ways to deal with this reality of depression. We will all, from time to time, have a bout. I know I do. I'm grateful for God who watches over my soul. He was a good shepherd. I'm grateful for people around me that I can confide in and trust. I'm thankful for a righteous wife who can pick me up when I'm feeling down. I'm grateful for the Word of God that is a rock, a solid rock that I can stand upon, the promises which are yes and amen. But I wonder tonight if someone's here this evening, and the truth is that perhaps you're not right with God. You're hearing these precious promises of the Lord and say, I'm not sure that those promises apply to my life because I know that I'm in sin. I'm in rebellion against God. I don't have the hope which endures, and that's because the hope doesn't live in you. That hope who is Jesus Christ, the one that I spoke about who died on the cross, who bore the shame and the pain and the the wrath of God who took it on His shoulders and He said, I will do this. I will bear the cross. Why did He do that? He did that so that we could be saved tonight. Our sins could be forgiven. And if you're here tonight and you need that forgiveness of sin, it's here. It's waiting for you if you were to respond in faith tonight. If that's you, would you just lift up your hand so I can see it. I see your hand, sister. God's going to move tonight. God's going to speak. Is there anyone else unsaved or backslidden tonight without any embarrassment or shame? You know that you're not right with God. I see that hand. Is there someone else? Quickly. God's speaking to you. God's leading you. He's drawing you by His presence. I see that hand. Tonight, God touching hearts. Don't let this moment pass by without receiving what the Lord has for you. Without hearing from God in this moment. Is there anyone else? Quickly respond to this call for salvation. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for honesty tonight. God moving in this place. Amen. I want to open up this altar tonight. I wonder believers and Everyone who lifted their hand. could we all stand together?
0: We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.